This is part two of a two-part podcast. If you'd like part one, you'll find it at personallifemedia.com. I'm Terry Struck, host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast that gets the latest in all things from lasers, lashes, lifts, breast dogs, injectables, but today we're talking about something much more important. We're blessed to have an expert on inner beauty, Dr. Rhonda Beeman. She's the author of You're Only Young Twice, and this is our second podcast with her. So if you didn't listen to part one, please listen to part one, and this is going to be part two. beautiful woman in any room is the woman who walks in sure of herself, confident, smiling at others, asks other people about themselves, brings a level of energy and, and a vibrant, you know, sense of joy into the room. And it has nothing to do with what she has on or how many, you know, wrinkles or what color her hair is. It all exudes from the inside. Year are you going to remove? Yeah, are you going to remove the year that you got to go to Paris? Are you going to remove the year that you fell in love? The year that you had a baby? What year are you taking away? Welcome back, Dr. Beeman. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you did the first podcast and we talked about your book, You're Only Young Twice, and there's so many uplifting ideas about anti-aging from the inside out. So yes. we, we could continue where we left off, and you were talking about wonder and seeing things through the eyes of a child. Yes. Well, one of the things in my book is, like I said, I define old as your outlook, language, and drive. And so wonder and optimism and resilience are all part of your outlook. Now, let's talk a little bit about the L, the language. You know, if you start to listen to other people, you will age pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. You have women go, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to go into menopause. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, oh, I don't even think about it. I know. It's just depressing. I uh, am a university professor, and so a lot of my days are spent around 18- and 19-year-olds and they give speeches where they go, you know, and this person, this, this, my, my role model is a, is a much older woman. She's 32. <laughs> I know, that's sad. And you're like going, oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, so everybody's got this thing about numbers, and they don't want to say how old they are, and they start taking off years. And in my book, I, I ask the question of the reader, and I'd ask this of your listeners, which year are you going to remove? Yeah, are you going to remove the year that you got to go to Paris? Are you going to remove the year that you fell in love, the year that you had a baby? What year are you taking away? And then how sad is that, that you start to deny your experience and your, your wisdom and everything that you gained in those years that you're pretending you haven't had. I find that really sad. And so, Even removing a bad year would be removing your experience. Yeah, exactly. And your growth. And there are so many people, Terry, you know this, fighting. 
for every day or year of their life that they could have, and, and we're denying ours. I think that that's a mistake. And so in language, what, we're, what I'm really trying to stress is that, you know, if you say you're too old for something, you're right. If you argue for your limitations, they're yours. If you are always walking around like Eeyore, remember Eeyore for Winnie yes. the Pooh? You know, I'm um, a tigger. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm a tigger, too. And um, if you're walking around like Eeyore, first of all, nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> right, so exactly. You're going to find yourself kind of lonely. But, but if you are Eeyore, what's your advice to people that, that you know do feel sad? I mean, it's easy for us to sit there and say, oh, you know what, we're happy people. But there are people out there, there's listeners out there that are really sad and can't pull themselves out of a funk. What would you advise them? Well, one of the things that they found out that, that I think is extraordinary, again, your body and your spirit know all the answers to these questions. They have found now that simply going for a walk is equivalent to taking one um, antidepressant pill. So the very thing that you don't feel like doing, which is getting up and moving, just the sheer movement and, and participation in life begins to make you feel better. I have a mother-in-law who has been on antidepressants for, I'd say, 37 years. And her life is wonderful, actually. And she complains a lot. And one of the things that I told her that I would tell anybody that I love, go work at a soup kitchen. Go work at a homeless shelter. Go, you know, participate and help other people. If you're feeling pretty sad about your life, and man, there are reasons to feel sad. I understand that. I have felt that. I'm not happy every single day. I'm a human being. But as soon as I I help others or teach or do something that gets myself out of my own way, I think that's what it is, Terry, getting yourself out of your own way, um, you begin to feel better. So I understand chemical imbalance. I understand that there are some people that are going to need additional help. But they've shown that for most people, you can really uh, uh, do a lot toward making yourself feel better by participating in life rather than, than shrinking away from it when things get really tough. And part of the language of, of growing old is that shrinkage, you know, that, that, that backing away from life and challenges because we feel like it's not proper to wear that outfit, not proper to drink that drink or hang with that crowd. Uh, again, these are your choices in life. And if you tell yourself, I can't do something, or you tell yourself, I'm too shy, or I'm too old, or I'm too this, you, you will be right. So why not try? Why not give it a shot, telling yourself what you can do? You know, there are days I can't run because of my MS. There are days I can't, uh, you know, do the things that I normally like to do because I hurt too much. What can I do that day? You know, I don't think about what I can't do. I think about what I can do. And I really would caution your listeners not to think I'm a superhuman or I'm different than them because I'm not. I grew up in a really dysfunctional home. I grew up with really critical parents. I have fought my own battles. I'm not, you know, I'm not an idiot that just walks around on my own like Ambien or whatever. Right. You know, I, I face this kind of stuff every day. But I have worked really hard, and it is hard work, Terry. And that's what I'm trying to stress in this book. 
you have to you have to matter to yourself and you have to get that you get this one precious life that's it somebody should tell everybody that life is like this really great cruise ship that has everything on it you could ever want. You can dance, you can meet people, you can fall in love, you can drink exotic drinks, you can wear great clothes, you can climb, you can rollerblade, tennis, whatever you want. Get Would you get on that ship? Heck so, yeah. So what are you going to tell our listeners? How do they get motivated to do this? One of the ideas in your book that I liked was music. I, I think music is so healing. And I feel like if you're sad or you're depressed or you're feeling like you can't do any of these things, get your favorite music out. Well, that's, yeah, you know, like I teach aerobics to this day. I started teaching 80s, and I listen to the XM 80s, and it starts my day off great. But the other thing they found out, too, is, like, um, if you hum, if you're humming, people who hum just <laughs> long the day live seven years longer than people who don't hum. And it's something about tuning into and turning into the the, the, the basic and, and given um, melody of the human soul. And no one can explain it and nobody understands it, but it's there. Everything I have to tell you something funny. I read that in your book about the humming, and the other day I was at the airport, and this man was sitting next to me just humming away. And so I just felt compelled to tell him, you know, I met this lady, and she says that humming, you're going to live seven years longer. <laughs> And he started laughing, and then we that's how we got to talking about this other product, um, Zangosteen. So that's so funny, and I met him because of you. Oh, great. And the humming. Uh, see, it, it not only makes you live longer, but you can meet other people. That's exactly right. It was so funny because he was just so happy humming away, and I had to laugh. I was like, that is so funny because he's humming in the airport, and I wouldn't mind humming, but my voice is so bad that people would be like going, do you mind? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Again, we let other people silence us. You know, I, I wanted to be a singer, and I begged and begged for singing lessons, and my parents made me try out in front of them. And I sang a song. <laughs> I sang a I'm in the third grade. I have to try out for my parents. And I try out, and they say no. And I quit singing ever because I was so embarrassed. And I have to tell you real quickly, again, I have to practice what I preach. So take on new challenges, try new things. I tried out for that game show, Don't Forget the Lyrics. Oh, hilarious. And I got on out of 15,000 people. You did? I'm on. I was on. Shoot. And I, had to, I got to sing with the band that does American Idol. And I had my sons on the stage with me. It was fabulous. And oh now my, my gosh, I'm wondering if I saw that episode. <laughs> my story now about singing is that instead of being turned down by my own parents. So I rewrote my history by doing that. And, again, that's the thing about language outlook drives old you can rewrite your life that's what's so great about a second part of your life you get this chance that's all yours a lot of times we're finished raising our children you know we've accomplished things in our jobs now we get this chance to find out what we were really meant to be and how we can really you know use our talents and our skills and and the last thing is drives you know what gets you up in the morning you can only play so many rounds of golf you know you can only uh uh you paint so many pictures before you start to go, eh, I'm a little bored. And, you know, you've heard those stories about people who retire and die a year later because, I mean, they feel like they have no purpose. So what is your purpose? What what do you always wanted to do? What do you, who, who, you know, what do you want to be? This is a second chance that you have. So um, 
the great thing about OLD and 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 those are the neotenous traits. I break them. I take ten of them and break them into chapters under uh, outlook, language, and drive. And by the time you're finished with the book, you have uh, some ideas, what I call do-overs, of ways to reinvigorate and reignite these childlike and youthful qualities that we're all born with, and we need to re-enhance so that we can um, optimize the second part of our lives and, and indeed, grow young. Um, I've got this great story for you about wrinkles, talking about inside out. Um, This woman that I know had her granddaughter over and was going to take her here to Pismo Beach. And the granddaughter's covered with freckles. And she did not want to go to the beach because she was so self-conscious about her freckles. Again, think think about what we just talked about in Neotony. Think how old that is already not to want to go to the beach. And she's 14 because, you know, other kids have done that to her or her own ideas of beauty because what she's been seeing on television and freckles aren't it. So she wants to stay all covered up. And her grandmother goes, come on, let's, it, you'll be so glad you went. It's so beautiful. So they go to the beach, and she doesn't want, the little girl doesn't want to take off her tank top and all this kind of stuff. And the grandmother looks at her real seriously and in the bright sunshine and says, you know, sweetheart, what could be more beautiful than your freckles? And the girl looks up at her grandmother and says, your wrinkles? Oh, my God. And she and she meant it, and this woman told you know she this woman had never ever thought of it that way. But to her granddaughter, those wrinkles were beautiful, and they were the map of her life and her face. And she and and she looked at herself very differently for the after that, you know, and felt very beautiful after that. And again, so what is our definition of beautiful, and what is our definition of age, and, and, and how are we going to manifest in our lives what it means to, you know, be older and to, and to have these choices in life? And that, that's really what I'm trying to say in the book about being young twice. Some of us never had the chance to be young once. And so to take this advantage and to, to really discover some of the you know, beautiful inside things that you were given and maybe didn't really have a chance to develop. Well, that's the really good advice. And But I think that what you're saying, too, is it's the way that you look at your life. I mean, and, and as we get older, I'm finding I didn't have it so bad. I actually <laughs> had it pretty good. I mean, I think when you're young, you're like, oh, this happened and this happened. But then you get older and you could start comparing stories. And I actually had a really great life growing up. Well, see, that's what's so great about this second part of your life, because now if you reinvigorate your childlike, youthful qualities like imagination and wonder and song and dance and, and work and learning and all those things you were given as a kid, if you reignite those and you couple them with the wisdom and maturity that you, were, that you now have, there's no stopping you. The quality of your life and the scope of what you could be and do and have and think and enjoy, you know, is boundless. And, and that's what a human being strives all their lives to be, boundless. And most of us think about boundless in terms of the size of our house or our car or our education or whatever. What we're really, what we're really talking about, Terry, you and I, is just the boundless spirit, the boundless energy that comes from inside, from, from uh, knowing who you are and where you're going 
and and living your life fully and and living it as a young person, you know, so that you do indeed die young as late as possible. Like Tigger. And we're going to take a break again. (laughs) We have to take a break for a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Rhonda Beeman. Listen to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex, a weekly internet audio program from personallifemedia.com. Fresh inspiration and expanded relationship options for today's woman. You're back with Terry Stuck and Beauty Now. We're interviewing Dr. Rhonda Beeman, the author of You're Only Young Twice. This is so fascinating. Welcome back, Dr. Beeman. Thank you. This is about interviewee today. So you know what? Take it away. This is I love <laughs> listening to this. Uh, well, the, we were talking about the, the way that you define old and the very last youthful quality that that I talk about in the book that, that you need to maintain and work hard at is love. And not, not just love of other people. It's really about loving yourself. And that's what this all boils down to is caring enough for yourself and being proud of who you are and enjoying this chance that you have at the party. I was saying earlier about the cruise ship. If somebody told everybody that that life was a cruise ship that had everything you wanted, would you get on? Sure. Here's what they don't tell you. The, The boat never comes back. It just, you know, sails out and on this endless journey, but you never get to come back. And that's the truth about life. We get this one shot at it. So how do you want to spend it? And and the most important person to love is yourself. You've heard that since you were a kid, that you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. But it's it's really the again the bedrock of everything we're talking about here. And you know, it it's very hard to do because we're judged from the time we're in the first grade on. One of the things uh, that I found really fascinating about growing young is when you're in the fourth grade, your creativity, wonder, imagination is at an all-time high. You're about eight or nine years old. You are at your peak, and the world is your oyster as far as your, your mind goes. And what happens by the end of the fourth grade is that most people's uh, creativity levels drop precipitously. And that in itself is a sad thing, but, but what's more tragic is that for most of us, those levels of creativity and wonder and imagination never return. They are burned out, gone, desocialized. We are minus that capacity for the rest of our lives. Now, some people who like go into advertising or whatever keep them alive a lot longer, but for most of us, we don't ever get that level of creativity back. And so, again, everything seems to conspire against keeping us young, keeping us vibrant, keeping us interesting. And, you know, we just all kind of muddle through. Henry David Thoreau, I think, said it best. He said, most men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. That's so sad. <sighs> you know? <laughs> and it is that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what, we're t- well, that's what you're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what a lot of people... Uh, in the world are trying to do to point to what a um, magnificent and just 
exceptional thing it is to be a human being and to be have your chance on the planet, whatever that chance is. I have to tell you, I went to India to present this work on neoteny to a group of people from around the world, and it was you know, a really great experience and really fun, and I was really honored to do it. But here's what struck me the most. The people in India, you know, when they say namaste, that's how they greet you, namaste. And it means the God within me sees and recognizes the God within you. Well, they're not just saying it. You know, like how in America we go, have a nice day. We don't really mean it. We don't really care. We just say it. Well, when they say namaste, these people, I've never seen eye contact like this in my entire life. And they really look at you as if you are a god. They really talk to you as if you are a god, as you should be speaking to them the same way. And when, you know, let's say that a beggar would come up to me in the street, and my husband would start to pull me away, afraid the beggar, you know, was going to try to get something. And the beggar would come and just look at you so deeply and go, how are you enjoying Mumbai? And I'd like, well, I love it. It's really beautiful, and the people are so nice. They, oh, good, thank you. I mean, they were thrilled, and they, you know, they understood that someday in their in their beliefs they'd get their chance. They'd get their chance to not be poor or whatever the case may be, and they were going to enjoy whatever form their life took. It was it was an unbelievable thing for me because. You know, we don't do that in, in the Western countries. and um, <laughs> They're, they're shouting you for a cab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I came back, you know, a, a, a different person in the fact that it is possible to appreciate your circumstance no matter what the circumstance is. It, you know, and, and again, we go back, it, it, the whole common theme throughout You're Only Young Twice, throughout Beauty Now, throughout a person's life is choices. And we always have the choice, you know, to, to love ourselves or to pick at what's wrong and to pick at, you know. The, you know who looks oldest the soonest? Who? The people who look in the mirror the most. If you're looking in the mirror every single day, at five, every ten minutes, every whatever, <laughs> the more you look, the older you're going to start looking because you're so worried about it and you're going to notice right. everything. The people who look... You're not outliving. You're not exactly. outliving. The people who look the youngest are the ones that, that aren't interested in that. They're interested in everybody else, and they're interested in the quality of their experience that day. Um, I have a story in the book about when I met my husband. He was He's seven years younger than I am, and he was 29 when we met. And that was the same, like, age span as Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. And we were talking on the phone one day, and I was going, well, you know, if I ever get really old looking, if I start to look like your mother or something, I might have to have a facelift. And now on the phone, this 29-year-old man, boy, goes, why would you ever do that? And I said, well, I don't want to look old. He goes, he goes, do you know who the most beautiful woman in any room is? And I'm like, no. He goes, the most beautiful woman in any room is the woman who walks in sure of herself, confident, smiling at others, asks other people about themselves, brings a level of energy and, and a vibrant, you know, sense of joy into the room. And it has nothing to do with what she has on or how many, you know, wrinkles or what color her hair is. It all exudes from the inside. 
Well, that's uh, easy for a 29-year-old. I know. <laughs> but, but I'm listening to this going, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have to marry this guy. Because... Oh, no, that's true. That's good if your husband appreciates that. Unfortunately, yeah. my husband is a plastic surgeon. So. <laughs> but again, I'm not saying one way or the other that it's you know, not something to do, but I'm saying that the, the, the truth of that statement is that it always, you know, beauty always comes from the inside. It's about how it's you... It's so true. You know. and, and actually, this is why I wanted to do the show today, because I loved your book, and I had a young listener call me who actually has had a lot of plastic surgery, and we were going to do a show on that, because that's another really sad phenomenon, is a girl in her 20s who's done numerous procedures, and then she was trying to say, I've realized it's about inner beauty, and I'm like, well, yes, but you've had all these procedures, and does this mean you're going to stop because you don't love yourself, you know? In your 20s, you're flawless. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, who isn't beautiful when they're 20? That's what people don't understand. And they've done a lot of studies, haven't they, that a lot of times, you know, I know your husband would back me up on this. If you, you know, if you have plastic surgery thinking it's going to make you a different person. No, then that, don't do it. And yeah, don't then don't do it. And don't turn away people today for that because That's their right. body dysmorphic. There's a lot of different problems and psychological things that go along with surgery. You just have to do it to make yourself look refreshed, not to be a different person. Yeah, because if you think it's going to change your life and all of a sudden men are just going to be falling in love with you and people are going to want to be your friend and you're never going to be lonely again, that is wrong. No, in in fact, um, you have to listen to Mark, the producer's song, and and hopefully he puts it on some of my um, podcasts. You've had a little work done, and you can find that on YouTube. And I think Personal Life Media, if you go to that and click on, you could get the link to his song. It is hilarious. You've had a little work done. I love your song, so I wanted to get him a little plug there. But um, it, it's true, and I, I just think that your book is amazing, and it's chock full of tips for making yourself happy. And, and one of them is laughter, and I love to laugh. In fact, my stepkids and my kids say they love going to movies with me because I'm laughing so hard at the most dumb things that oh, we're watching. That's so great. That's a great trait to have. Uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's healing. And, you know, the old thing, I, in fact, I put this in the book, that when you're a kid, again, think about these youthful qualities. When you're a kid, you laugh in like three or 400 times a day. And by the time you get to be the age 30, 35, you laugh maybe three times a day. And so, you know, again, there's a humor survey in the book to figure out exactly have you maintained your sense of humor. And, ha- and one of the things I suggest is start your own comedy club. Forget about a cooking club or a book club. Start a comedy club. Bring people together that like to laugh or people who need to laugh and watch funny movies, share cartoons, funny stories. Have a week, a month so that the whole purpose is to just remember how funny life is. I love watching Stephen Colbert and John Stewart now. I do, too. And I, mean, I mean, they kill me. And they so kill me, too. You, they, My daughter is actually really funny. My daughter, Jenna, who goes to USC, <laughs> we could hire her. She Because she, she gets all the funny clips, and she gets the funny, like the jerky boys and those phone calls, and we just sit in the car and laugh and laugh. She makes me, oh, the Adam Sandler clip, and there's just... It, we laugh all the time, and I think that's just so important. It's so healthy. I also suggest putting a comedy kit in your car, like when you're stuck in traffic or whatever. Put on one of those pairs of noses with the glasses and look at the car. Look at <laughs> that, the car that's next really to you. funny. That is really funny. I mean, it's so fun because then you look at the car next to you with that on, and they look at you for a second like, what the hell? And, and like, then they start laughing. In, your, in the day? Oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> 
No, my son loves Chevy Chase, too, so that's great. <laughs> I, mean, I think all these things are so important, and we're running out of time, and we actually want to do probably another segment with you, so we're going to have to have you back. I love your book, You're Only Young Twice. Please go to personallifemedia.com for all the links to Dr. Rhonda Beeman's book, and also, you can email me. I have a email, N-O-W-B-E-A-U-T-Y, now beauty at AOL, only because I couldn't get the beauty now. <laughs> and uh, with any show ideas, questions, comments, and um, ideas. Thank you, Rhonda. You're a doll. We oh, have to have you back. Really fun to be with you. And I love, I love these two podcasts, and I hope that everybody's going to download them and listen to them and get your book. Thank you so much. All right. We'll have you back. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you, Terry. Bye-bye. Bye. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 